This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare and the Becker's Behavioral Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to visit with Paul Sheeshley. Paul is an expert in sort of helping people to think through how they handle high stress to become better at sustaining themselves, becoming better, better at just sort of daily performance, sustainable habits, and, and such a key area today with everybody being under so much stress. And Paul works with high-profile celebrities, politicians, and others. But so many of the lessons are applicable to all of us, particularly health system leaders, nurses, physicians, anybody dealing with stress. Paul, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? And welcome to the Becker's Healthcare, the Becker's Behavioral Healthcare Podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm Paul Sheasley. I'm a uh, licensed psychotherapist in the Maryland, D.C. location. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I have uh, a niche in working with high-stress individuals and those who are in high-powered positions. Um, and so I'm happy to be here to talk more thoroughly about my experiences and helping those individuals as well as um, how some of those um, experiences can benefit other individuals of professional working class. Thank you. And and I think so many of us are so much more attuned to, especially as we age, probably more so, the importance of constantly cultivating our mental and physical health and taking care of it. Um, but and, and, and through the pandemic, just a, a further emergence of, of so much discussion on mental and physical health. What What can people, I mean, whether it's a health system leader, the president of a large health system, a nurse, a doctor, or a politician or a celebrity, what can they do to sort of better position themselves to handle and, and, and cultivate a, a healthy situation, a sustainable situation? Absolutely. Such a good question because in the, in the era of social media and Google, et cetera, uh, we have at our fingertips uh, a plethora of information about self-care and the buzzword of, of wellness and holistics. And so, and one of the things that I, I've noticed that, you know, that is a common thread in individual search to, to find uh, practical self-care is that what's missing is a therapist. <laughs> um, to find a professional in the field that can understand the perspective um, of their professional, their lifestyle and their personal experiences and to tailor a self-care regimen, especially working in a, such a high-powered position, whether it's a celebrity or an exclusive nightclub owner or someone who's just coming into the field of, I say, field of stardom, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stress happening there. And oftentimes, you know, we, we look at these, these uh, ideas of whether it's nutrition, of the self-care, exercise, um, you know, even seeing a chiropractor or whatever it is that we, the follow through, right? A lot of these self-care regimens are like diets where they fail and really we're looking at a lifestyle change. And so that's why I come back to the concept of finding a professional that is experienced in helping to people to maintain a new lifestyle change for those who are in these high um, prolific uh, positions. And, and, and so that is so important. And I have so many friends that have worked with therapists and not worked with therapists or worked with coaches and not worked with coaches. And, and one of the perspectives I get, you know, 
from one of my colleagues who constantly dabbles in talking to a therapist is, you know, I didn't have an aha moment. The therapist didn't fix this, didn't tell me this, didn't, you know, provide the answer. And talk about that, how this is more of a, my own perspective, it's more of a process and a constant process than it is a yeah. specific answer. But yeah. talk about talk about how you talk to somebody who says, you know, I went to the therapist but didn't fix me. Talk about that for a second. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'll talk generally and then more specifically, you know, for it you have to find the right fit, right? It's in it, it, there is a consumer perspective where you're doing some shopping. You have to investigate the therapist. You have to look at their style. You have to look at their education and training. And you have to feel them out. And that's where the initial consultation is super important because if you don't get that feeling of I'm comfortable, I feel safe, uh, I feel like this person um, can communicate with me and you know, my style or level, then then we, you need to move on and, and, and find another uh, practitioner that will be of, of fit. Um, so that's super important, and it can be very discouraging uh, having to shop around. And you know, maybe you get to know someone, and you know, maybe their schedules don't quite line up with yours. But you don't give up. Um, have to continue to look for that right fit. And once the person finds that that fit, that's where the change could really start to happen because now you've made it over the hump of locating someone that you can connect with. It, working with um, prolific individuals. The the interesting uh, thing that happens there is that a lot of these folks are super smart, right? They're problem solvers. Uh, they manage a lot of uh, heavy-ended stress. And so a lot of times their perspective in coming in to see me is, is hesitant. It's how can this person whom I don't know fix my problem? Because my situation is, is ultra unique, right? It's, it's the, their life. Um, their issues, they feel that they can often handle on their own. And so they have little, um, kind of little faith in the fact that therapy can, can help them, quote, solve their problems. Um, and it's helping them to see that, you know, you're not alone. There's objectivity in the therapy session, but we often might be needing to look at areas of life that, um, coping, right? You've been responding to things that you haven't really worked through that are now starting to show up in your life that are beyond your typical left brain um, kind of engineering process of problem solving. And, and talk about this. You work with a CEO, and, and the, the area that we live in is really twofold, but often CEOs of health systems, very high profile. Some of them leading one billion to thirty billion organization, thirty to a hundred thousand employees. They're sort of the face of an organization that's magnificent, but but they and when they're on and in the system or wherever they're at, they're completely on all the time. And you deal with the same kinds of people in many areas. And it's the same thing with senior vice presidents, CEOs, COOs, chief nursing officers. They're dealing with just a lot of people having their eyes on them to see what they're doing. How do people cope with that? What are some of the suggestions for dealing with that? I mean, and in, 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 you know, I'll ask you a question. I mean, because this goes to the question of using a therapist, using a coach, you know, and again, very different things I understand. But I, I have found that at least with instructors, advisors, coaches, whatever it is, I do much better if I have clarity of what I'm trying to accomplish in going into those visits, going into those lessons, going into those efforts. What advice do you give to people 
for how they work with a therapist or an executive coach and so forth. Because so many of them, so many are so articulate, so intelligent, as you said, they, they have bought into, particularly at a certain point in life, that they need a therapist, they need a coach, they need somebody to talk through these things with. Is there advice for how you work with somebody? So there's a, there's a huge compassionate piece. There's an empathetic piece when these individuals come into my office. I don't see them as the CEO or the CFO or all the professional names that you've listed. I see them as the person. And if I can help them feel comfortable in their own skin in my office, I, the transformation of therapy and what they're, what they're hoping to gain out of therapy, I think, happens much more smoothly and more quickly. Um, you know, it's helping these individuals to turn it off because they're always turned on. And when working with high stress and anxiety and burnout, that's the part of it. They have so much on their plate. They don't know how to turn it off. And they've forgotten about what they used to do or they've lost touch with what allows them to rejuvenate and to return back into that environment with what, they're, what I call their superpower. You know, these the superpowers that they have, their intelligence, their ability to command and to, um, to lead takes from them. And it's, it's taking more than what they're able to re rejuvenate with. And so um, oftentimes these leaders, they, they're you know, unrelenting standards. There's perfectionism. Um, you know, there's a lot of internal criticism that they, you know, there's expectations that they have to fulfill. And that is wearing, and it's often isolating because no one else gets it, because they often don't have an outlet. Now, some do, but they're often collaborating with others of the same caliber, and they're more, um, you know, they're, they're just talking about and complaining rather than doing the work to be able to identify as a person, as me, I need to figure out what self-care works for me so that I can go back and be my professional self, my successful self. So again, it's, it's compassion. It's understanding where they are. It's being empathetic. It's giving them the ear and understanding of which they, where they're struggling, you know, to, because we can't solve their, their, their problems. We're not in the, their business. We're in the business of therapists of relationships and that relationship bonding is so important in the beginnings of a working therapeutic uh, relationship. But, but this is so true though, that, and, and I think that's a great therapist perspective. I can't solve your problem, but I can help you think through your problem and I can provide you empathy and help you get back to the track you need to be on. Absolutely. And so I, I like to consider myself like a therapist who likes to excavate. So a lot of times these individuals are coming in and there's a lot of fires happening in their life, right? And they want, they want the fires to be put out. Help me put these fires out. Help me figure out, you know, how I can move forward. And there is a lot of, you know, emergent work that happens, but oftentimes there, I, I find there are underlying concerns or life patterns that keep flaring as a result of some environmental trigger. And so when I say I like to excavate, I like to understand the person from beginning to end. And so that's where I do a lot of childhood origin relationships, early foundational relationships, 
I'm, um, I specialize in what's called schema therapy, for example, where we're looking at childhood origins and potential deprivations of some sort, uh, or even trauma and abuse, and looking at these internal dialogues and what might be fostering unhealthy expectations on themselves, but also the people that they, they work with, because there, there's a thing called dysfunctional leadership, and which is also kind of another buzzy type of word. Um, and so helping these individuals to take a look at not only the relationship they have with themselves, but the what that they have with other people. But, but it's so important because, because what you said about dysfunctional leadership, even the very best leaders, they are few and far between that don't have some internal conflict or strife. Some people, they cringe with or they're more comfortable with. I mean, there's, there's all these little dysfunctions and micro dysfunctions and major dysfunctions and so forth. And, and it's almost important for a leader to sort of be self-aware that they've got some of that. I know when I interact with X, I always act a little bit cold or a little bit this, a little bit of that. Because I don't really like X that much, but that's a bad, but better to recognize it than not, I take it. Oh, absolutely. A lot of these coping mechanisms, I call them, I refer to them as coping mechanisms and, or leadership styles, what, what some of the other people like to be more comfortable with, is that, um, you know, if it's unrelenting standard or perfectionism, uh, they're carrying an expectation, not only of themselves, which is often critical and even full of shame, but then it's the expectation that they have of other people which can also be depriving for the for those that are are under them in, in terms of leadership. And so helping them to understand, well, why do they have turnover rate? Why is their turnover rate so high? Why is it that, you know, their leaders are are, are disgruntled of some kind in some way? Um, you know, why aren't they receiving receiving the results that they're looking for from their employees or other leadership team or the people around them are just, like you said, disgruntled? Oftentimes we take a look from within because that's where we have to start from within out, not from without and in. And that's where a lot of executive coaches, they come in and they do all this wonderful kind of work with the leadership team, but they're often overlooking the internals of some of these leaders that on a core level really need an expert such as myself to help them see, oh, I do this because. And this is its effect. And if I, if I want to feel different and I want others to feel differently about me, I need to start working on this. Um, and that takes a, a great deal of motivation and encouragement, but also connection with the professional. A hundred percent. And so, uh, Paul, where do people find you if they want to work with you? How do they, how do they find you? Absolutely. So again, I'm in uh, Washington, D.C. and the Maryland location. Uh, you can visit my website at www.paulsheasleylcpc.com. Paul, I want to thank you for joining us. This issue of how CEOs manage themselves, not just their work, but how they stay centered, how he or she keeps themselves coping day to day so they can perform how they want to perform and so they can be happy and productive. It's such an important area. I think all of us are so much more attuned to it than we used to be. I appreciate you joining us so much. There's such an interesting thought, such an interesting guest. Paul Sheasley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.